But I can see my face in the mirror, you might say. Doesn't the mirror prove I have a face? Doesn't it show me who I am? Let's look into this. For this experiment you need a mirror. A small hand mirror is best, but a larger one will do. This experiment is in two parts. The first part explores the difference between what we look like in the mirror and what we are. In the second part we explore the four stages of our lives. This is part one. Hold your mirror at arm's length and look in it. The mirror shows you what you look like. At this distance you see your face. Someone else looking at you from a few feet away would also see your face. Now bring your mirror halfway towards you. Notice how the mirror and your face get bigger. You can see more detail. This is what you look like at this range. Now bring your mirror as close as you can. You see a blur. You're very different at this distance from what you look like at arm's length. Now move your mirror back to arm's length. Your mirror reveals what you look like at different distances, but it can't show you what you are at centre, at no distance, because you can't place it there. Nor can others say what you are at no distance, because they can't get there either. But you can see what you are at centre, because you're there. I see my face there in the mirror, at the far end of my outstretched arm. What do I see at the near end of my arm? Nothing at all. My arm disappears into faceless emptiness. Here I am nothing, awake space. Looking out from this awake space, I see my face there. I am capacity for my appearance. Are you the same? You can see your face there in the mirror. Are you looking from a face on your side of the mirror, or from no face, from emptiness? Aren't you capacity for your appearance? Put your mirror down for a moment and consider the following. A mirror at arm's length reveals your human face. If you could look in more distant mirrors, you would see other appearances of yourself. A full-length mirror a few yards away would show your whole body. What would you see if you could hold a big mirror up in the sky at, say, 20,000 feet? I would see London, my urban face. And if you could place a mirror on the moon, you would see the Earth. At that distance you would see your planetary face, whilst at arm's length you see your human face. Both faces are yours. They are both appearances at different ranges of your central no-face. Though you are less familiar with your non-human appearances, your planetary and solar faces, for example, You need them just as much as you need your human face. And though normally you think of yourself as just a person, you do identify with these other levels of yourself. As when you act for your family, for example, or for your country, or for the planet. Your true self doesn't stop at the boundary of your skin. Look in the mirror again. Be aware of the sensation of your face. Does that sensation have colour and shape? Not in my experience. And where is that sensation? The sensation of my face isn't inside anything. Just as I'm capacity for my face there in the mirror, so I'm capacity for all this sensation. I feel it in boundless emptiness. I've learned to think of this sensation as having colour and form. 
I imagine it clothed with the image in the mirror. The invisible sensation of my forehead, for example, I link with the visible forehead in the mirror. It's vital to do this. You couldn't function in society if you didn't associate the feeling of your face, and indeed the feeling of your whole body, with an image. By doing so, you become aware of how others see you. But are you inside that image? I'm not. I'm the boundless consciousness in which that image and all these sensations are happening. Douglas Harding spoke about the one-metre path that leads from your appearance there in the mirror back along your arm to this amazing reality at your centre. It's an unusual way of putting it, yet it makes clear that the journey from your human face to your divine no-face is a physical journey along a physical path. Whilst holding your mirror with one hand, touch your face in the mirror with your other hand. Then move your finger from the mirror back along your arm towards the place you're looking out of. Keep your attention on your finger as you do so, until your finger crosses over the threshold between the world and the origin of the world. You have just made an actual journey from there to here, from one of your appearances there to the source of all your appearances here. The source, though it isn't a thing, is just as physically locatable as your face there in the mirror. And so short is this path between the world and its origin that it takes practically no time at all to travel along it. It's a fast track to who you really are. Travelling this path is therapeutic. Seeing you are free of your appearance is freeing. A woman in a workshop spoke about disliking her appearance. For this reason she rarely looked in the mirror. During the workshop I asked everyone to look in their mirrors for several minutes noticing they were capacity for their faces. Afterwards, this woman said how healing this experience was. She could see that her face was there and not here, that she was free of it, that it was, as she said, everyone else's problem and not hers. What a relief! I remember Douglas Harding pointing to the mirror and saying with both humour and seriousness, Thank God I'm not like that. And a man spoke of feeling deep compassion for himself, after looking in the mirror for several minutes in a workshop. He was looking at his appearance from this unconditionally open, faceless consciousness. A friend is being treated for cancer. She looks in the mirror and sees her appearance changing. Her hair is falling out. She says it's a blessing to see that she is empty for her appearance, that on this side of the mirror her true self is in perfect health. This brings us to the most wonderful discovery. Each time you look in the mirror, the person you see there is older. As the years go by, your face shows increasing signs of age. Wrinkles develop. You know that one day that person will die. But as time passes, does anything change on your side of the mirror? How could this timeless space grow old? No wrinkles ever appear here. And how could you, your true self, ever die? Death cannot travel with you all the way along the one-metre path. Crossing the threshold between the world and the origin of the world, you leave death behind and step into immortality. What a joy to find at the heart of yourself this miracle of everlasting life. 
And yet, despite the promise of everlasting life, we may find ourselves reluctant to cross this magical threshold. Why do we resist our immortality? We are so used to seeing ourselves as others see us, that when suddenly we see our nothingness, it may confuse and frighten us. We may feel as though we've disappeared. What is the remedy for our fear? Be aware of it. See that it arises in the emptiness and then goes. And see that the fear of emptiness, the fear of a cold, dead, endless void, is fear of an idea. In reality, this emptiness isn't just empty, it's also full. And it's aware. Dying into the infinite void, you are born into infinite life. Leaving your appearance out there in the mirror can be fun as well as therapeutic. Seated in front of a mirror whilst having my hair cut, I see the barber cutting my hair there, but I've no hair here. I'm space for the whole operation. Every so often the barber appears out of the space here, or disappears back into it, all the while visible there in the mirror. And at the end of the haircut, though I look different there in the mirror, here I'm just the same. Of course, I still have to reach into my pocket when I get up from the chair. I'm describing here a playful yet honest relationship with the mirror. When I'm overlooking my true self, it's easy to become worried about every little detail there in the mirror. I'm identified with what I see there. But when I'm aware of my true self, the pressure is off. I'm not defined by the image there. I'm looking at it from a place that's free of it. As a result, I'm more able to accept my appearance just the way it is. When I'm truthful in this way, seeing not only what my appearance is, but also where it is, the mirror no longer feels like an enemy, it becomes a friend, reminding me that I'm not what I look like, that I'm boundless and free. Seeing you are at centre free of your image, free of yourself, is beneficial not only when you're in front of a mirror, but in all situations. A friend plays viola in an orchestra. Imagining what she looked like, she used to feel self-conscious in front of audiences, and this affected her playing. She felt tense, under inspection, worried about her appearance and how she sounded. Now she sees she is not her image, she is capacity for the audience, and the experience is radically different. In the moment of seeing and listening, she's aware there's nothing and no one in the way of the music. It flows not from her imagined self at centre, but from silence, from the image-free, tension-free source that is her true self. This is a far more enjoyable experience for her, and for the audience too. Our self-image, important as it is, can get in our way. See that your image is over there in the mirror, that you're free of it where you are, that others see you but you don't, and gradually, over time, discover how this frees you up. I find it frees me up. I love dancing. How wonderful it is to dance as this emptiness. I'm not imprisoned in my image. My movement flows from this boundless freedom where I am. Even when I feel self-conscious, I can still see that I'm not defined by that self-image. My self-image arises in this imageless reality that I am, that we all are. Experiment living from this image-free spaciousness. Test it out in your everyday life. 
Find out how this freedom from image frees you to be yourself.